as we uh, jump back into our into our study here. You know, I I, I feel compelled to, to address a couple of different things. One, don't don't forget that this overarching part or overarching theme of, of our study in First Timothy is this guide to spiritual maturity. Each one of us has a next step that we need to take in our spiritual walk, and I think First Timothy addresses the vast majority of those and in different ways, and, and obviously that means in sometimes we're dealing with something that might not directly apply to you and your specific phase of spiritual maturity. Uh, but don't don't miss out on what God has for you. I think He does have something for you today. This is a little bit, you know, we're going to look at the uh, the qu- the qualifications of a of a bishop. We're not we're not going to skip over this, even though uh, my guess is not many of you are preparing your resume for submission to a church to become a pastor. Uh, this is what the Lord has for us today, and so I I I I, I don't want you to miss out on it. We're going to approach it. I try to do a, a I try in my teaching in in this fellowship to do a little bit of a different view or a little bit different lens. I don't try to bring some some wonderful itching ears, new doctrine because I think that's where people get get uh, you know get wonky and things go go haywire. But I do think it's nice to look at things from a different perspective. You know, the beauty of a diamond is that it reflects or refracts light. Um, from different different angles, and I think Scripture is uh, stronger than than a diamond. We can look at it through different angles, and we can learn from it from different perspectives and appreciate it from from those different perspectives. Today, uh, I was tempted to just go through uh, through these things. I, I will read through it here uh, together, but just kind of hit on them, and, and we'll touch on them. I'm not going to brush over them, but. You know, last week we we specifically looked at uh, chapter three and verse one. This is a true saying: If a man desire the office of a bishop, he desireth a good work. And we talked about that desire and what what we might have in our desire uh, to 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 want to the things of God, right? And uh, this this week we're going to continue down. If a bishop then be blameless, the husband Jamie, do you mind passing uh, the husband of one wife? Vigilant, must be blameless, the husband of one wife, vigilant, sober, of good behavior, given to hospitality, apt to teach, not given to wine, no striker, not greedy of filthy lucre, but patient, not a brawler, not covetous, one that ruleth his house uh, well his own house, having his children in subjection with all gravity. For if a man know not how to rule his own house, how shall he take care of the church of God? Not a novice, lest he lest being lifted up with pride he fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must have a good report of them which are without, lest he fall into the reproach and snare of the devil. You see several statements here, um, specifically in verse 5, for if a man know not how to rule his own house, how shall he take care of the church of God? Uh, Or the continuation of verse 6, lest being lifted up in pride he fall into the condemnation of the devil. Um, more or moreover, he must have a good report, lest he fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. So we're not really going to look at those phrases today, uh, because they, but they are follow-on concepts. I mean, Paul is addressing straight up that if a person ends up in the office of a bishop and they don't have these qualifications, there's consequences. And I would argue that these principles apply in ministry, ministry leadership. 
and they certainly are they give some some um, insight into Satan's tactics of how he will try to thwart or upset or mess up the Christian walk. That's actually not what we're going to look at in depth today. But if a man doesn't know how to deal with his own house, how shall he take care of the church of God? Like you have to prove yourself at that level. God's not going to give you more than you can, quote, deal with, right? And he can't be a novice because novices tend to not have the perception that God's doing the work, that they're doing the work, right? So they might be lifted up with pride. Uh, And then he has to have a good testimony uh, from without because, you know, the reproach and snare of the devil will work through the lost through the lost world. So those are some very serious warnings and very serious considerations. What we're going to do today is we're going to take the actual qualifications and we're going to break them down a little bit. And so what I did is I, I tried to color code them on this screen. Hopefully, uh, I learned a few years ago that you can't rely on color coding with an, with an audience because some people, in fact, are colorblind. I apologize if you are colorblind and you can't see the different... We'll have other graphics and ways to do that in a few minutes, so don't you, you won't be missing out except for maybe for a few moments. But if you look at this, there's some themes. Um, in red, we have blameless, the husband of one wife, and a good report of them that were that are without. And those are going to fall into into a specific bucket that uh, I'll refer to. Actually, you'll have it. You have a chart there in front of you that refer to. And, and again, the chart will be up on the screen. But that had to do with their testimony, the the outward manifestation of what, how people view. And then the green, vigilant, sober of good behavior and given to hospitality. Those are those are uh, perceptive uh, ministers, right? People that are always watching and being mindful of what's going on. And then in blue, you have not given to, to wine, uh, or I'm sorry, in, in purple here, you have apt to teach, one that ruleth his own house well, having his children in subjection with all gravity and not a novice. That talks about their, their ability, their, whether they're able or not. And then self, uh, self-control really is this blue, not given to wine, no striker, not greedy, a filthy lucre, but patient, not a brawler, not covetous. Again, we're going to go through this in more depth. I'm, I'm just touching on it to kind of to, to kind of divide it out. Bible study tip, some people actually do get colored pencils and use them in their Bible. So some people don't write in their Bible. That's fine if you don't want to, to write in your Bible. Uh, that's, that's your call. Uh, but some do write in their Bible. Some get a wide margin Bible. They make notes. I would encourage you to at least consider working in color uh, into your studies uh, because things will pop out visibly. Uh, you probably have perceived this from me that I'm kind of a visual person. Um, so as we look at the, this next chart here, the, this is just those things broken out in the chart. So, so you have testimony that they're perceptive, they're able, and they have self-control. These are the categories of these qualifications, and I want to spend some time uh, in each of these uh, with it on, on this page. You have plenty of time to, to write those, those four words. But the, this concept of testimony, right? A bishop then must be blameless or innocent of allegation. It doesn't mean sinless. I, in fact, sin all the time. But I would like to, to make an argument that I'm blameless. And what I mean by that is, uh, well, let me, let me talk about the word for a moment. The word actually comes from uh, the, a, a concept of a, I think it's pugilist is the, is the, like when they would fight, you know, those, pu, pugil, what do you call them? 
pugil, pugil, pugil sticks, right? And so blameless is the ability to defend yourself from the strike of your opponent. That's actually where this word blameless comes from in, in, the, in the Greek. So it's not necessarily that you're sinless, it's that you have a response. So if somebody says, well, I, I saw you dealing with all that money, you know, well, I've, we've got controls and we've got accountability to deal with that in the church. So no person's, you know, handling money by themselves. And there's a recording of that. And, and you know, so I, I, I can't even be tempted to take it because it would it would come out very quickly. Right. That would be a concept of blamelessness. Right. Because there's there's a structure set in place to prevent even the allegation. Mike Pence, former uh, v- vice president, Mike Pence, um, he had a had a had a position, and he took some heat in the media that he would not have a meal by himself, or would not have a meeting by himself with another female. And in the media, and you know, they, I mean, Mike Pence claims to be a Christian. I, I have no reason to believe that his testimony is not sound on that. But he did it because he wants to be blameless. And other people saw it as a you know lack of opportunity for women to get ahead in 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 his business dealings and his governmental dealings, etc. But in his mind, it was more important important to be blameless no one could could mistake that this meeting was maybe something more than it was because he just didn't meet with women the the husband of of one wife right again this outward testimony concept this is not an issue of whether a a a, a man that's a widower or even a, a divorcee uh or or what have you can be a pastor this is the issue of not literally not being uh, polygamist or not being, uh, you know, not, you know, having a, 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 an a, a adulterous relationship on the side, which would, would argue, you know, potential second wife kind of situation. This is a faithful individual. That's why it's an outward manifestation, right? It's a, it's a, he, he's faithful to one woman. Uh, so we'll continue of good report uh, of them that are without um, this again. I don't have another word other than just has a good testimony, and I think it's really important for the believer to have a good testimony of those that are without. Now, it doesn't mean everybody's going to, you know, we can't be people pleasers. But I, I can't go through my day trying to make sure everybody likes Mitch Dobson. But what I can do is make sure I'm not blameless or make sure that there's no blame to be uh, cast at me. I keep at work. I call it I keep my account short. Right. I keep my relationships close. So if. If there's a problem, I own it. If there's a miscommunication, I'll apologize for it. Like, it's those kinds of things that, like, if there's one thing, you know, when, when Mitch Dobson finally leaves the organization he works for, I want them to say, you know, he was a good dude. He was, he had a testimony of doing it the right way. He was clearly a believer Right, that that's the this concept of having a good report of them that are without. I don't have to to have. I mean, people might disagree with me. I have spirited conversations all the time at work, <laughs> where, where we walk out of the room. Now we walk out of the Zoom. We click in, uh, but we walk out of the room in, in in staunch disagreement on some things. But at least we'll respect each other's position. Right or uh, respect how we how we got there. Um, we move to this the second column, this concept of being perceptive, and this is an area that I that I'm, I'm just going to be blunt. I think a lot of Christians 
and a lot of ministers fail. They're not perceptive. I also had in this, in this box, before I went to perceptive, I had circumspect. Paul charges us to be circumspect, right? To, to keep our head on a swivel. I mean, there's nothing better, in, in my opinion, in football than a guy trying to make a tackle and another guy just come and laying him out. I just think that's just, uh, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm a little weird like that. But they say you got to keep your head on a swivel. You got to keep your head on a swivel. You got to be constantly looking. Because if you're not looking, something bad could be happening. And you might be the solution for that bad thing, right? Or that opportunity. So you need to be vigilant, right? You need to be watchful. That's what vigilant means. And uh, there's, there's passages, and, and we will get into some scripture here in a few minutes. There's passages in the Old Testament specifically about Ezekiel, about being a watchman, right? Being you know, on the wall, literally watching for that. Sober, not distracted, right? You shouldn't, you shouldn't have uh, your mind somewhere else. You need to be sober. So, uh, sober doesn't just mean the absence of an influence like alcohol or drugs, but it actually means a focus on what's going on around you, right? I could be not sober, right, if I'm really tired, right? I mean, you wake up in the middle of the night, right? I mean, the comedians make, like... <laughs> Comedians make light of this. I think it's funny because, you know, some people, like, if they hear a bump, they got to get up and look, you know, check it out, right? Other people, it's like, oh, I heard a bump. Well, if it's a burglar, they'll take what they want, you know, and they'll just go back to sleep. You know, like, like you know, you need to be sober. And I'm not saying you have to get up. I'm just saying you, that that person in that moment's not sober, right? Sober has to do with your perspective, your, your percep- being perceptive of need, of good behavior. And, and I think this is kind of interesting. You know, we could put of good behavior, and the, and the reality is, and you'll see this in a minute, these kind of overlap, and, and I'll be honest, but a, a good behavior could be a testimony thing. But I put it under perceptive for a specific reason, because good behavior is being proactively good, right? So when I come across a situation I now have a choice to make about that behavior, right? I don't have, I can choose to be in the flesh. I can choose to be in the spirit. And I would argue that's one of the biggest steps of maturity. And I still fail. I still fail routinely. I think I've shared with you all in the past. Like if I, well, traffic is difficult for me. I'll just put it that way. (laughs) So traffic is probably my biggest area of weakness here. But I have in a moment a choice on what to do with that, right? And I need to be of good behavior, right? Um, given to hospitality, you know, obviously this is at its core is hospitable or, or, or welcoming people into your space. Now, we most of the time think about hospitality or hospitable with respect to our home. And that's certainly a component of hospitable. But hospitality has to do with people walking through this door into this fellowship. It has to people walking into the church that aren't members. I mean, I met a guy today, uh, you know, and and look, there's some clunkiness that goes along with that. I introduced myself and I said, I don't remember his name now, which I'm really bad about that too. We'll call him Brian um, because I just made eye contact with Brian. So we're going to call him Brian. Although I think that might have been his name. But I said, are you, are you new here? I don't think we've ever met. And he goes, no, I've come off and on for years. And I'm like, well, we're still kind of new, but 
awkward. That's yeah, it's awkward. <laughs> Sorry, you know. Um, I think I can share this story. Pastor Bess was flying back to Missouri. This is a great story. Um, and there was a, a young lady sitting next to him that he did not identify as a Christian or a believer based on her actions and things she was saying, etc. And so he tried to strike up a conversation. Christine was, was, was right there with him, but he struck up a conversation with this young lady and started to share the gospel with her. And she said, oh, no, I'm a believer. I'm a believer. Yeah. And oh, cool! Do you, is Kansas City your home? Yeah. Well, where do you go to church? Well, I go to this really cool church in in in, in the city. It's called Midtown Baptist Temple. Now, this is one of the pastors, <laughs> and she is saying that this is her church, and she doesn't perceive that one of the pastors is talking to. Like, is it really her church? I don't know. I'm getting a little off field, but my point is. Some of those situations can get a little clunky. They can get a little clunky. I, I had a clunky conversation with this guy. We're calling Brian in the lobby today because I don't know if we've never met. I don't know if he's just not been here. I don't know what the real story is. And I don't, you know, I'm, I'm just not reading it. But, but I'm hospitable. I said, I said, man, I'm sorry we have never met before. That's on me. I should have met you before now. But you know what? I'd love to get to know you more and have you come to class. You know, we've got some folks there. I'm sure would love to meet you. Hospitable can, hospitable can be welcoming, welcoming people into your sphere, right? Yeah. And sometimes it's, I mean, look, we're creatures of habit. We're creatures of comfort. And if I'm having a good time hanging out over here with the DeYoungs, and I was going to say Erica walks over, but Erica <laughs> strolls over. <laughs> You know, I had this I had this thing years ago that I you know when you're when you're having a conversation and you join in, you have to like make a meaningful like have you ever been like in a circle and then somebody walks up? That person kinda has to there's a there's this awkward moment where they need to kinda contribute. Otherwise they're just kinda standing there and they might feel out of place. But hospitable is turning to them and engaging them. Hospitable is welcoming them in the moment too, right? And these are all opportunities uh, opportunities for us. So, um, so that's being perceptive, right? Keeping your spiritual head on a swivel to make sure people feel welcome. Okay? Um, able. So apt to teach is not just um, you know, skill set and those types of things, but you know, I, you know, they're able to instruct. They're able to actually communicate truth. And and that, that can come through growth. There's opportunities, and people need to get those opportunities to learn uh, to teach and make mistakes. And uh, I'm sure Sam, uh, you know, he even made that comment, like, we're going to record, we're going to post the second service, right? Anybody catch that? We're going to post the second service on the website. Not Because he's kind of, he felt like it was clunky. Everybody has clunkiness. And that's the thing I think that part of what, what Paul is addressing with Timothy is the the minister, the pastor has to be able to push through those things. You know, there's times when it's just difficult, but you've got to push through those. Rule his own house well and have his children in, in subjection, obviously, uh, go go together. But, you know, he, he's got to manage his own house, right? He's, he's got to be able to correct correctly. And I know I just said that. It's like a double negative or a, a word defining itself. But there's a right way to correct a wrong path. Yes. And 
look, nobody's got that down. People mess up with this all the time. So these, this is not about setting a bar that's so high no one can attain it. It's about setting a bar so high that you want to strive to attain it. And that's the, that's the difference, okay? And so, um, you know, you manage your house. You, you can correct people the right way. You can look at them and say, that's not the way we do it here. Like, we don't act that way. This is the right way. And not a novice. This is just a matter of time, right? A, a time and a desire to mature. Time is an amazing, amazing thing. And I know we're supposed to redeem the time. I know the days are short. I know we're not guaranteed tomorrow. I get all that. But time is an amazing filter. In, my, uh, in, in a previous role in my job, I did a lot of investigations in our company. So I'm in healthcare compliance, and so you have to kind of make sure you're doing it the right way. And so one of my big jobs was to actually investigate wrongdoing or potential wrongdoing. And a buddy of mine who's a detective said, told me, during an investigation, time is your friend because the clean will get cleaner and the dirty will get dirtier. And it's an interesting premise because it plays out in ministry as well. In time, those who are earnest will double down on their earnestness. They will continue. And those who are not, well, Sam addressed those uh, this morning. They'll, they'll leave. You know, they'll go, they'll love this present world. They'll head out to Thessalonica because they perceive that that's where they'll, you know, they're going to make their impact in the world. Time is, is, and just consistency, just investing, just investing in time and consistency. So, um, under self-control, not given to wine. Obviously, this is a, a similar concept to to sober, uh, but it's it's a little different. Is that they're they're able again able to control themselves. They can look at something and say, "I don't need any more of that." And there's you know not. You know, not given to wine has to do with this concept of volume. It's not an issue of whether or not you can drink. It's a, it, it, I do think it's kind of interesting. This is, this is Mitch Dobson commentary for just a moment. That so many people will say, I can control myself after ingesting a substance that is, by definition, mind-altering. Right? And so if you can control yourself after a drink or two, great. Like, fine i have no fundamental problem with that the problem is does that knock down your ability to manage the third or fourth or fifth or sixth etc right so this not given to wine uh, they are able to control their their themselves right and they're not a striker they're they manage their emotions they're not greedy a filthy lucre I can assure you Pastor Best is not making the same salary at this place that he would have and has as a medical doctor. He's pursuing the things of God, not, uh, again, I, I think I may have shared this before, uh, you know, I was talking with somebody one time and they, they thought that becoming a pastor was a big job. They thought like, it, it, like money, monetarily. It's like, no, no, most people take a pay cut. Sam took a pay cut to become a pastor. Brandon, most people take, I, I, again, I don't know that it was a lot, but they're not doing this to, to, for the money. Like the money is not here. The money is somewhere else. So they're doing this because of the love of people. And then uh, patient, again, 
they're uh, they're just able to to delay pleasure, right? And I think Dave Ramsey talks about that as a as a as a mark of an adult is the ability to delay pleasure. Uh, not a brawler, and I think this is interesting because this is the this is the kind of person that de-escalates a situation. That gets in. A, he's not saying avoids confrontation. He says not a brawler because you're going to have that situation. You're going to have somebody putting their finger in your chest and challenging you to take it outside. And how are you going to deal with that? Like pastors have to not be a brawler, but I would argue Christians shouldn't be a brawler either. I mean, it's like, whoa, oh, okay. We need to, you know, to take this, settle it down a little bit. Like nobody needs to get hurt here. Nobody needs to throw their pride on the table. Let's work through it. And then last, but certainly not least, not covetous. They're not doing these things. I, you know, I've, I've had some wonderful interactions with the pastors here about just the, interact, the, the things that we get from the ministry, the things we take from the ministry. And, and the discussion, honestly, was over a granola bar in that little hallway. Sometimes they'll make uh, things available for staff and, and, and that like. And the discussion was like, I'm taking from the ministry as compared to giving to. It was a stupid granola bar, right? But the point is, the heartbeat should be that I want to give to the ministry, not to receive from the ministry. Okay, so all so that's our that's our overview. So the, what I did was I took these four concepts and I put them in this graph. Right, testimony. They're perceptive. They're able and self-control. This is Mitch Dobson. Uh, somehow the, that just ended uh, the, the the Zoom, but we'll need to check. It's, a, it's okay, Brian. I don't think anybody was on it per se. But these are just my concepts. This is not. I'm not staunch about this. Somebody could challenge it. But I. But I. But as I as I ran through it, it was kind of interesting. So when you look at these overlapping concepts of testimony and perceptive, or perceptive and able, etc., there's some other words that jump out to me. And so I kind of zoomed it in a little bit. Somebody that has a really good testimony, but they're also perceptive, they're like an ultimate shepherd. They're very caring. They're a caring type pastor. Where if they're perceptive about what's going around them, but they're also able, they're very practical, right? So so I, I kind of hesitated saying this, but, but honestly, I look at like Kenny... And this is not to say that he doesn't have these other categories, but I think Kenny and Brandon kind of fall in this category. They're very able. They're very practical. They're kind of logistical pastors. Again, they have the other aspects, so I'm not saying they, but they, they shine in some areas. Where I think like, like Ken, uh, I think of, of Pastor Chris Best is, is kind of up here. He's, he's super caring. You know, he's super, he's, he's like a shepherd, right? He really just cares about folks. But, but if you look at, at their able, they have the ability to pastor and they have a lot of self-control, well, they're respected. And we could certainly say that about, about the guys I just mentioned. They're respected as well. But there's some men, I mean, I, I, look, at, I look at, like a, 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 some of you don't know Troy Stogsdale, but I look at a Troy Stogsdale and I, I think he kind of fits in this category. Troy's real kind of uh, almost a little disciplined and, and that like, but he, he kind of is on this side of, of, of the page. So I was looking at this and I was looking at, at how men in scripture were played out and, and we'll actually see, and we'll spend some time in the word here in the next few minutes uh, in the examples that this caring kind of testimony is Barnabas, 
And then this practical, able, perceptive kind of person is Titus. These are all people that Paul ministered with, by the way. The respected, the self-control and able is Silas. And the testimony, self-control, disciplined person is Timothy. So, so let's look at that in, in a, little more, a little more depth. So there's a lot of words on the, ta- on the page. You have these verses in front of you. So we're going to spend an appropriate amount of time in them, but not a ton of time. So Barnabas has this testimony. He's perceptive or caring is the word that goes in your blank. And look at these verses uh, about Barnabas. Acts 4.36, And Joseph, who by the apostles was surnamed Barnabas, so Joseph was his name originally, but they literally called him Barnabas, which is being interpreted the son of consolation, a Levite and of the country of Cyprus. Literally, they changed Barnabas' name to compassion, basically, right? The son of consolation. And in verse nine, or chapter nine and verse 26, and when Saul was come to Jerusalem, he essayed to join himself to the disciples. He wanted to join himself to the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, right? Because it's Saul who becomes Paul. And believe not that he was a disciple, but look, Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared unto them how he had seen the Lord in the way. I mean, Barnabas was this ultimate shepherd, caring kind of guy. Acts eleven twenty five. Then departed Barnabas to Tarsus to seek for to seek Saul. He was thinking, oh, Saul would be perfect for this ministry. I need to invest in Saul. In Acts twelve twenty five, and Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem, um, uh, and when they had fulfill, uh, when they had fulfilled their ministry, and took with them John, whose surname was Mark. Right, so John Mark was Barnabas's relative. Who Barnabas, you know, John Mark, you know, leaves basically on the first missions trip. He departs. But Barnabas still has compassion on John Mark and still wants to invest in him. He's a, he's, he is that absolutely compassionate, caring type pastor. And then in 1343, now when the congregation was broken up, many of the Jews and religious proselytes followed Paul and Barnabas, who speaking to them persuaded them to continue in the grace of God. No words in scripture, in my humble opinion, are throwaway words. Paul and Barnabas, when Barnabas was with Paul and they were preaching, he was persuading them to continue in the grace of God. It wasn't this hard teaching kind of thing, right? It wasn't this, it was just, hey, continue in the grace of God. And then Acts 15, 36, And some days after, Paul said unto Barnabas, Let us go again and visit our brother in every city where we have preached the word of God and see how they do. Paul, it was very natural for Paul to connect with Barnabas to go care for these men. And that's why I think Chris, as a missions pastor, is perfect. Because he's going to go to places like Tampa. He's going to go to places like Boston. He's going to go to places like Dallas and Denver. And we're in Vietnam. And all these places where we're going to be, Lord willing, starting these ministries, partnering with these folks. And he's going to have compassion on them. He's going to care for them. Others that might fall into this category in your Old Testament would be people like David. People like Jonathan. I think that's actually part of the reason their hearts were knit. So they both were very compassionate, very caring individuals. And as we continue and we jump to Titus in, in 2 Corinthians 7. Uh, ver- so, oh, sorry. So Titus is perceptive and able. Titus is very practical. If you remember, Paul sends Titus 
to the island of Crete to establish leaders in each of the cities on the island of Crete. Very practical, very practical, uh, very clear, tactical kind of ministry. Um, so 2 Corinthians 7, 6, Nevertheless, God, that comforteth, comforteth those that are cast down, comfort us by the coming of Titus. So Titus had to, he had to, he had to execute on it, right? And, and so he still, he still, you know, has some comfort component to it. Uh, 2 Corinthians 8, 16, and, and, uh, or uh, 6 and 16. Insomuch we, that we desired Titus, that as he had begun, so would uh, so he would also finish in you the same grace also. So he's actually got to invest in them. He's got to teach. He's got to be that able, practical minister. But thanks be to God, which put the same earnest care in the heart of Titus for you. And say, well, Mitch, this sounds a lot like the other kind of minister. Well, bear with me for a second. Titus in 2 Corinthians 12, 18, I desire Titus with whom I sent a brother. Did Titus make gain of you? No. He, we walked, walked we not in the same spirit? Walked we not in the same steps? So Paul sees Titus as this very practical, very tangible teacher, preacher, um, and, and establisher of, of men in ministry. Even in Galatians uh, 2 and verse 1, then 14 years after I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas, who did Barnabas and Paul and Saul bring with them? Titus. Titus has been. Titus maybe has known Paul as long as almost anybody in ministry, right? And then in Second Timothy four ten, for Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world, and is departed unto Thessalonica. I referenced it. Sam referenced it. Crescens to Galatia, but Titus unto Dalmatia. Now he's not. He didn't forsake the Lord. He's just gone to Dalmatia. Like Paul feels very comfortable sending Titus on a practical mission. Others that would fall into this category would be people like Daniel. For the ladies who are getting together this week, and I failed to mention that on Bible study, what day is? The Blue Springs is uh, tomorrow. Do we have another one? Does the other one meeting this time? No. Thursday. Oh, Thursday at. At Liza's. Okay, check the WhatsApp, the ladies' WhatsApp group on that. Um, but we, we studied Daniel, so the guys are a little ahead. And Daniel, very specific character qualities listed in Daniel chapter 1. around. And Daniel was able to stand before the king. Like, that's a special skill set, right? Noah fell into this category. Noah was a preacher of righteousness, but he also built an ark. He was very able, right? Abraham, Jacob, Moses, leader types that are not just shepherds, but leaders, right? And then as we move and we continue here, Silas. So Silas was a combination of this self-control and able, this respected. Um, It pleased the apostles and elders with the whole church to send chosen men of their own company to Antioch and Silas being part of that, so that he was respected. Um, We've sent, therefore, Judas and Silas, not that Judas, different Judas, Judas and Silas, who shall also tell you the same things by mouth. Like, they know how to to teach. They're respected. They're able. Uh, Judas and Silas, being prophets also themselves, exhorted the brethren with many words and confirmed them. It's a very tactical kind of ministry. As compared to comforting them, they confirmed them. It's a little bit different ministry. 
And then Paul chose Silas and departed, being recommended by the brethren under the grace of God. These are Silas was a respected individual. Again, not to say that these these people are otherwise not respected. It's just that's kind of what identifies them, right? So when I think of this, I think of of Joseph, the older Joseph, right, who had ascended up in um, in leadership in in the nation of Egypt, or Gideon, or Samuel. People who had uh, ministries in front of them, they had self-control. They needed to to balance the issues that were in front of them with their ministry. But they were very able, very adept kind of ministers. And then last, but certainly not least, we look at Timothy. Obviously the, the, the man of the hour, so to speak, from the passage. He has self-control and testimony. He's this disciplined individual. And honestly, I could just put this first verse up about discipline. A certain disciple was there named Timotheus who probably got saved on Paul's first missionary journey. The son of a certain woman was a Jewess and believed, but his father was a Greek, which was well reported of the brethren. So he had this testimony, right? They, of they that were at Lystra and, and Iconium. Him would Paul have to go forth with them and took and, dis, and circumcised him. We talked about this in, at the beginning of our study of 1 Timothy. Like Timothy didn't have to be circumcised. He did that. He was very self-disciplined because he was worried, uh, not worried, he was concerned about his outward testimony, right? He, he, he brought his body under subjection because his testimony was more important than the pain he would go through. Then immediately the brethren sent away Paul as it were uh, to go as it were to the sea, but Silas and Timotheus abode there still. They were disciplined around the mission. He was sent into Macedonia uh, Timotheus, my work fellow, right? That's the, the kind of the tone, my son, but my work fellow. So it's about, about control and test, not self-control and testimony. He was willing to put his hand to the plow. He would make every remembrance. Uh, he was faithful in the Lord. He was a fellow laborer. But notice this, he was a fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ to establish you, to comfort you concerning your faith. He was a teacher, Right? And then last but certainly not least in Hebrews 13, 23, know ye that our brother Timothy is set at liberty. Literally means he was at one point in prison. So Timothy knew how to bring his body under subjection. He knew how to put his perspective of the mission before the pain or the trial that he was going through. And I would, I, would, I would say other people in the Old Testament, this is kind of like the younger Joseph, right? That goes through prison and, and sold into slavery and those types of things. Or maybe even an Enoch who was willing to stand against the challenges of the day, right? Now, again, you say, well, Dobson, some of this is, is fuzzy and, and it is. The, the, the reality is, I'm going to be very transparent, the reality is, the good minister should be all these things, right? The good minister should live in this space here. And I would argue Paul, I was going to try to put Paul's name in there. Paul is that guy. Paul is a little of all of this, right? And ultimately, I think these guys have more than I, than I maybe gave them credit for here. But they're, I would call them epitomes of those types of ministry. And and look, the the reality is in the in the in in Acts, there there God builds teams. God builds pastoral and ministry teams around these principles. And I would argue 
Midtown has a really nice spread here. Has a really nice spread of some guys that are more structure, more teach, and that's not necessarily more doctrine, right? That are a little more, they're going to sit down with you and they're going to have a hard conversation with you. And then there's other pastors that are a little more caring or others that are a little more practical, right? And having a church with leadership that, that spreads this, that's that, that maybe is their kind of key characteristic, is a sign of a really healthy church. And this is not a commercial for MBT. It's, I believe, a testimony of what the Lord and who the Lord has brought here um, you know, uh, for this time. So it brings us to our, our one discipleship question uh, decision for the day, and we'll wrap up. We all, we all have areas where we can improve, right? I would argue all those four guys had areas where they could improve. Are you willing to grow in those? Are that when you look at that list of qualifications, yes, of a, ba- of a pastor or a bishop, but are there areas in your life that are lacking? When we were going, when I was going through that list, were you, were you considering, hey, that, that, you know, I'm not sure I'm really good at, at being patient. I need to work on being patient or, or maybe I'm, I'm not given to hospitality or, or maybe I'm not vigilant or sober. Like what, I, I don't know what it is. I would suspect if the Holy Spirit was working in you like the Holy Spirit was working in me, there were things that jumped off the page at you. And I think you need to consider those. And at the end of the day, let me just be very, very clear and then I'll wrap with this. These are efforts that the believer does to mature. This is not the efforts of an unsaved person to gain favor with God. Two completely different concepts. You cannot get these things in order without the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit does not dwell in you, does not speak with you, does not teach you, does not convict you of growth in these areas if you, in fact, are not a believer, if you are not saved by the blood. That is, that is absolutely the first step. I know that in our, a lot of our time in, the, in 1 Timothy, specifically toward the beginning of 1 Timothy, has been spent on the development of the Christian. And that's important, vitally important. But you have to have things in order. And if you are not a believer this morning, if you've not had the blood of Jesus Christ cover your sins, then literally all of what I've been talking about is just out of your league. And I don't mean that with any disrespect. We've got to get the first things first. Let's pray. Lord, we do thank you for uh, the chance to gather today. And Lord, for those who uh, are believers, those who have accepted your sacrifice and, and applied your sacrifice to their sins and can walk in newness of life through the death, the burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Lord, help us to develop, to take the next step in our spiritual growth, whether it's to, to tighten up some of these different areas or whether it's to, uh, to grow or to, to show some vulnerability to say, hey, I don't know how to grow in these areas. Somebody help me. That's certainly possible certainly appropriate help us as a ministry meet those needs whether it's through discipleship or lfbi or or uh, involvement in bible studies counseling whatever it is lord help um, me as as a minister in this fellowship but but lord the entire body uh, be good ministers in helping people grow but lord um, maybe more importantly uh, certainly more importantly for those, if, if there are people under the sound of my voice who have not accepted your sacrifice, they've not had um, the, their sins covered by the blood 
of Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary, if they've not accepted his sacrifice and his, uh, his, um, his gift of eternal life, Lord, I just pray that they would understand their need. They would understand that they're a sinner, that they would understand that Jesus came, lived a sin, sinless life so that through his sacrifice, they could have eternal life. And Lord, uh, just pray that anybody that needs to deal with that would get that dealt with. And uh, Lord, because that is the, that is the first, first step. And once we get that uh, established, then we can start developing growth. But Lord, help us to be good ministers to those that are lost. We love each and every person here. And we thank you for uh, allowing us to minister and allowing us to have a part in their life. In Jesus' name, amen.